0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of Prog Notes. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to The World is Loud by Adam Nitty. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. We hope to educate and inspire you to uncover and learn about progressive rock music. And there are a lot of amazing podcasts out there. So we're very honored that you're with us today. And we would love to connect with you. So give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, or join our Discord chat server to talk with Drew and I, as well as many other fans of Progressive Rock, and these links are all in the episode's description, so go check that out. And we always want to say thank you to all of our patrons for helping these episodes and this show happen. If you'd like to become a patron, if you'd like to support the show in exchange for some extra benefits outside of just the monthly episodes, you can do that at patreon.com/slash prognotes. And today is very special because we have the one and only Adam Nitty joining us to talk about the record. Welcome, Adam. <laughs> Hey everybody!
1: Good to be here. The applause is stellar. That's what I wasn't (laughs) expecting that. Uh, You you got to
0: throw that in there. You know what I mean? (laughs) Thank you. We 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 recorded that with like a bunch, like a twenty people in a room one day, and we just I I think we got it. And then, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. I just stole it from the internet. So, (laughs) well, uh, the world is loud was released January fifth, twenty twenty one. And uh, this is the first uh, first record of his to feature him in the role of the lyricist and the vocalist. Adam is also credited as the mixering and the mastering engineer, executive producer, guitarist, keyboardist, and of course, bass guitar. We'll talk more about that later. Other musicians on this record include Scott Bernard, Richie Martinez, Keith Carlock, Aaron Cox, Sonny Emery, Jason Palmer, Chris Carver, Billy Buchanan, uh, Marco Savo- uh, Savoli from PFM, and Tom Knight. D. Rosario, Michael Whitaker, and Dwayne Holloway. This is Adam's sixth solo album, but he's been a session and touring musician for bands and musicians such as Kenny Loggins, Michael McDonald, played with the Dave Weckl Band, John Anderson, Marco Miniman, and many, many more. I would have an entire three pages of documents to cover all of those. So I'm not going to do that. So I'm just going to give you a couple. Anyway, take it away, Drew.
2: (laughs) uh we're we're super super excited to have you on the show Adam this is a a real treat um especially for me Uh, a lot of our listeners might not know uh who you are simply because your catalog is more in the realm of jazz fusion rather than progressive rock but I'm super excited because I know you're an absolutely phenomenal bass player you're one of those guys that's scary good and I know I shouldn't adulate and I'll I'll try to refrain from doing that too much but I, I have to tell this time I saw you back at 3rd and Lindsley in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, This was a show my dad took me to. My dad was always introducing me to new phenomenal musicians. He was like, dude, this is is the guy. This is the bass player. And I was like, all right, cool. We go out and we see. And it gets to a part in your set where I believe the rest of the band cut out for a little bit. And you're exhibiting your amazing talent on the bass. And you're doing the crazy, awesome, sweeping stuff. It got to a point where... (laughs) Everyone was dead quiet. It was that, that pin drop that you could hear type of environment, and this one guy just shouts out, "Seriously, are are you serious?" Just with how crazy you were doing, it was you were doing this really intense stuff that was just blowing everyone's mind. Just it's everyone else is quiet, and he's just seriously, this is this is happening. Okay, no, it was it was fantastic, but I had to share that ex- experience. It was it was fantastic, but. <laughs> I'd love oh, for our listeners wow. to know a little bit more about you and your career. Well, you got to cut uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, what? what, 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 I was going to say though. Sorry.
0: I didn't, I didn't mean to what? cut you. Sorry. No, sorry. What I was going no, to was say though, is that this is coming from the perspective of a bass player. <laughs> Drew's Drew's the bass player. And so, yeah, you guys can, can connect on, on that level. I'll stay out of that.
2: No, it's all good. Um, wow. I, I, I wanted to just ask, uh, you know, with the world of, uh, the world is loud. You ventured a, a bit more into progressive rock, but I wanted to talk about your career with jazz fusion just a little bit to give a bit of context um there there might be some confusion as to what jazz fusion is it's a pretty ambiguous term i think i'll i'll kind of throw that term around myself and just (laughs) not really even know definitively what it is to be honest a lot of music labels can be that way there's no real just one exact definition for them. but i'm just wondering if if you have uh thoughts that you have on, on the realm of, of jazz fusion and, and what it is, what kind of separates it from, from progressive rock, from classic jazz, and other other things like that.
1: Uh, well, I I don't want to begin without thanking y'all, because um, first of all, I'm super, super excited about today and, and doing this and just getting to share with with everybody um, really, really appreciate what you all do and, and hold it in highest esteem. It's, it's awesome to have a resource like, like this, you know, sharing with, with folks and, and opening them them up to hopefully some new music and and some new things. And thank you also for the super kind words. I don't, I don't take that lightly. It's, it's always, it's always humbling to hear somebody say something kind about my my playing or my music. So thank you so much for that. Absolutely. Um, The jazz fusion thing, it's, that's a term that, I almost try to avoid it, uh, to be honest, because it is so ambiguous and, and it, it's the kind of thing that can send some people running, <laughs> you know, cause it's, they, they might associate a, a certain, um, attitude or, um, yeah. freneticism, if you will, about, you know, about certain kinds of music. You know, I, I, so, I, think some people, they hear jazz fusion. They're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's the music where everybody plays a million notes, you know, and that's, that's kind of what it is. Um, and I'll be honest, you know, as a <laughs> as a younger player, when I was when I was coming up, um, I my, my roots are we, we could talk about more later, but my roots are in prog rock. I mean, that's that's what I was listening to, when I started playing music. So, kind of come full circle with that. But uh, as an aspiring player, I, I had friends that were um, more musically mature than me at the time. That were their parents had shared music with them. That you know. It went outside of just the basic genres that maybe they listened to on you know on the radio. And so, my first time hearing jazz or jazz fusion or or, or anything like that was was, uh, was from a couple really close friends that I was later in a band with. And and when I heard that stuff, being a younger player, I was enamored by the the athleticism you know of how people played. There were the chops and the and the headroom and the facility at which these, these players played that that's what was that's what was capturing me and so i i, I hate to admit it but what led me down that that path yeah. in the beginning was wow. like oh i just i want to be that good you know i want to be able to play you know those types of difficult things and and so it, it was a it was a pursuit you know it was a um, it was a challenge and you know something i wanted to be able to do and so to be frank, you know most of my practicing um, routines and and um, my exposure to music, what I was listening to, immersing myself in, was very much based around trying to be become that that type of a player. And at that time, it was you know it was people like Billy Sheehan that I was listening to, and Stanley Clark, and mm. and Jack and and all mm. of these all of these players
2: mm. that
1: you know had exemplified for me like oh, okay these are the top echelon of, of, of folks and and that's not even to, to mention who I was already listening to and blown away by you know like the Getty Lees and the Chris Squires and you know the bass players that were my heroes from the music that I was listening yes. to on a regular basis but stepping outside of that world because that was more of a rock type of thing like, you know stepping out outside yeah. of that that world was um, was me now beginning to listen to jazz and hearing different kinds of harmony and I'll be honest you know, the first time I heard that music it literally sounded to me like uh, players that kind of had the license just to play any note even if it was right or wrong it, it, that that's that's what jazz harmony sounded to me like it was just oh you just play something you know <laughs> there's there's no real rhyme or reason some of it sounds you uh-huh. know, dissonant some of it sounds cool and that's that was the beginning set of steps that started leading me in a direction of wanting to become more musically educated wanted to learn more about harmony and theory and things like that incorporate that into who I was as a as a musician so so yeah if those who who haven't heard my music before they I think they will notice that even though I, I think a lot of people from the outside have classified it as such you know this jazz fusion type of label for lack of a better description um you still hear. I would hope you agree, anyways, and maybe tell me if you don't. But you still hear rock elements in it. There's still there's still elements of um, formulaic writing, like verse, pre-chorus, chorus, and stuff like that. And, and I I I've never wanted to lose that because I still wanted the music, even if the harmony was more complex. I wanted it to be it to be accessible to listeners that weren't just jazz listeners. Just you know, people that. Just liked music and following the song along on a, on a journey that tells a story.
2: Right, so. absolutely. Yeah, and there's a lot of groove, especially with with your playing, even with the stuff in jazz fusion, and that's just such a magnetic force. I mean, it just absolutely is. And so when you're hearing that, you're like, you can't help it. Just kind of, oh yeah. I mean, you know, whether it's a part the where stink you're face. Yeah. Yeah, stink, stink face, yeah, Stink face, exactly yeah. the bass bass. That's right. <laughs> but um, and you know, yeah, the the bass players
1: from that from these genres or, or you know subgenres that fortunately for us as bass players, you know, as you know, like it's, it's ripe with, with choices, you know, for, for who to listen to and, and who to learn from. And um, so that kind of egged me on even more. (laughs) And I just kept going in that, in that direction. But, um, but, you know, I reached a point obviously over the last couple of years where I I felt like there was a seasonal change kind of going on. And, in me and and as a as a Mm -hmm. player and as a person Mm -hmm. and um which is kind of what led to this album we're talking about today
2: right yeah that's that's really really cool i i wanted to to dig just a little bit more into the 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 kind of connection between prog rock and jazz fusion because to me there does seem to be a connection and it's not just you know, your story, I've had a similar experience, you know, I started out with prog rock, and my dad kind of introduced me slowly into, you know, some of these more jazz fusion type players, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when kind of, you know, merging these two worlds together is Bill Bruford where, you know, he, you know, he, he had done prog rock with, with yes and King Crimson and, and UK and right. Exactly. Dustin's pointing to the, to the, (laughs) yeah, to one of a kind right now. Fantastic record. (laughs) And yet, you know, his solo album, that that specific solo album is the one that comes to mind. That definitely to me seems more like jazz fusion than does prog rock and some of his other projects that he had done in his career. And when you look up prog rock playlists on Spotify, it's not uncommon for you to find these prog rock slash jazz fusion mix mixes you know they're they're littered throughout all of spotify and everything and youtube and a lot of other listening platforms so uh you know it's interesting i think it's really cool that you decided to kind of go back to prog rock and i was just wondering if we could discuss a bit um especially you having had professional experience in both of these these musical realms why there might be a connection between the two. I jotted down some notes. I was like, is it par- partially because of the complexity you were talking about, trying to set kind of a little bit higher of, of a bar? Um, or maybe it's the fact that they kind of evolved at the same time, roughly, you know, kind of late 60s, early 70s, when Miles Davis is starting to experiment with more jazz stuff. And at the same time, you've got your Prague pioneers in England, you know, doing a lot of this kind of wacky stuff with rock. So, I just thought it was an interesting topic to talk about. And yeah. you were a perfect person to have on the yeah. show to kind of talk about this topic. So, <laughs> Oh, it's, 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 a fantastic,
1: um, question. Um, I, if I'm honest, you know, I, I think I'm still processing the answers to that. You know, that's it's, um, <laughs> from there's a historic perspective, right? There's the, there's the evolution of, of genres that, that have occurred. You mentioned Miles Davis, obviously, uh, landmark musician in so many different ways um changed changed probably you know easily you could say he was part of what uh that 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 whole fusion movement in jazz was was born from um huge right. huge contributor and you find that with uh especially with the jazz artists that kind of decided to go more avant-garde or um, Color outside the lines some more. There's almost always there's almost always a rougher edge that kind of comes in, and and by rougher edge I mean something that um, sonically or aesthetically makes it makes it more edgy and more along the lines of the attitude of, of where rock music comes from, or prog rock especially, and so. Yeah. When you start to hear electric distorted guitars, you know being brought into the context of, mm-hmm. of jazz, especially from players that traditionally mm-hmm. traditionally may have been like mainstream or um, right. or just yeah. you know, swing uh, swing oriented, uh, it's that's a that's a pretty significant um, modification, you know, uh, if you if you right. want to mm-hmm. call it that, to to a sound. Um, and also, too, the idea of um, and you brought up miles davis and and i've listened to so more as much miles davis as anything else in in my life and so i'm kind of like i'm hearing his his music in my head as i'm as i'm saying this but the the idea that things become more jam centered on jam centered on like a tonic chord, a single chord as opposed to yeah moving through a plethora of changes and outlining the harmony that modulates and, and moves through different key centers or a bunch of different chords right so the idea of just kind of like setting back and and grooving on a single chord and making music happen, you know that really, I, I guess if you want to get historically technical, like that's that's where like the modal jazz had been born from as, as well. And so you look at tunes like um, like "So What," you know, Miles Davis. You know, "So What." There's there's two chords in it, and, and that's it. Right. And it's it's two hmm. chords that. Are played for a long period of time before they change back and forth, right? And so yeah. you can take a tune like that, you can you can be a rock band and jam on so what with all of the uh, with all of what you stylistically bring to the table with the uh, so, uh, traditionally associated with what you would do as a rock musician. And you could jam over so what, like have a jam session with that tune, and it's gonna sound completely legit. It's not going to sound yeah. like you're playing through all these jazz seventh chords, but with distortion and
0: right, right.
1: heavy bass and, you know, like, and, and that I think is yeah. where, where the, maybe that's where the nucleus is for joining these, these different things together. So I, um, I think wherever you have simplicity meeting virtuosity, um, simplicity, maybe more so from the harmonic perspective, the virtuosity coming mm. more from what someone is melodically saying as having their own voice, like in their soloing and what you know, whatnot. I think when you combine those things, you you are now sharing common ground between like the the jazz fusion aficionados and the prog mm. rock aficionados, and and it's no accident, as as you alluded to earlier, that you will find playlists that exemplify that very fact. I um. I was really excited to find out a, a while back that I was on uh, one of Spotify's playlists for for bass players. I, I didn't I didn't know that I was, and I was awesome. finally yeah. digging into some analytics because I need to get more serious about that type of stuff, tracking all those things. and <laughs> And as I was I was looking at at this playlist and other um, other private playlists that people had created on their own, it was always interesting to me that there were, um, it could be songs of mine that were more leaning towards like the rock fusion side, right? But it was in the, um, amidst the, the mix of stuff that's more funk jazz or or more blues yeah. fusion type of thing, right? And then the opposite right. might happen too, where you got a, a song of mine, it's super like fusion-y, almost like leaning more in a Chick Korea type of a vein. Right. And... Yeah but there's there's other bass player, you know, fronted bands or lead tunes that are more, you know, it's on the on more of the simplistic side harmonically, it's more jam oriented. And that's a that's a yeah. cool thing because it it for me as a professional musician, it draws new listeners in who may not have ever heard of my music before, but they're fans of this other sort of subgenre type of thing. And the same, you know, okay. it, it all it, it always goes goes both ways. So, um, and I get to learn about new artists I've never heard before, and I like to listen to music for enjoyment too. So it's it's awesome to yeah really catch that.
2: That's very cool. The uh, the I, I had looked up because I was I was looking into this too and just seeing what other people might think about kind of the the marriage of these two genres or, or you know styles of music. And someone on Reddit said. And, and this is just their opinion, but it was it was an interesting thought. Fusion, like jazz, sees the song as basically a framework for improvisation, whereas progressive rock, like rock, sees the song as an end in and of itself. And I just wanted to know: Do you agree with that? Or wow, you
1: know, that is actually um, that's actually a very intuitive statement. I think, um, especially when you consider. Um, when you consider the the typical listening audience for for the different genres, I, and I think you w- when people get excited about the music that they're listening to, and when they start talking about the elements that excite them, I bet that a a lot of people's a lot of listeners' comments sort of fall into those you know, that, that degree of separation, you know, I'm, there's always going to be crossover, you know, for, for fans that love right. everything. Yeah. But, but that is, I think that's a really interesting point that, that they made. And um, yeah, I kind of like the way they said that. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah.
2: I thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was quite poignant as well. When I, when I first read that from when Drew posted in there, I was like, yeah, that can, I kind of agree with that. Right. With as as a, yeah. as a framework to kind of put whatever yeah. you want inside the box. And we were talking to, we had a previous interview that we were talking to these two guys and they, they said that we used the word progressive in the, in the, I guess, the usage of it, it allows us to give a, it allows us to have a blank canvas and yes, we do fall in, and they were metal kind of the progressive metal side of thing. And yeah, we fall into that metal side of, you know, of our tonality, but the canvas, the progressive word that we, you know, that allows us to have this blank canvas. We could can just kind of throw whatever we want on it. Yeah. And I like that. Cause it's kind of the, I feel like there's a crossover with that in the fusion realm as well. I mean, yeah. of course there is, there's of course that sort of, we can kind of take this wherever we want to go, right. but it sort of sticks to a certain type of tonality Absolutely, in a, in a way, yeah, absolutely. in a way. I know people, people, you know, veer from the norm on that all the time, but I guess a good summarization for it. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> one of my,
1: one of my favorite musicians, that I was fortunate to, to get to play with a handful of times is Mike Stern, who is mostly known as like a, a jazz guitarist. And,
0: um, I feel like I've heard of him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Mike Stern is, he's, what I love about Mike is that when you listen to his music, it it's, it's clear that his guitar voice was not only interested, uh, interested, it was not only influenced by, Mm. uh, by bebop, but just as much by Hendrix, you know, it's, it's, he really, he is a fusion of guitar players and, um, and his music is, it's interesting because a lot of it, it, in my humble opinion, is also sort of framework oriented, but Mm. he still has the ability, um, to sort of tell a story with, with the tune. And this is what I, I love composers that regardless of, of genre, like they, they take the listener on some type of a journey and it's not just straight verse pre-chorus, verse pre-chorus solo, you know, verse, you know, I love, Mm -hmm. I love when you can hear um, dynamics change and, and when you hear progressions Mm -hmm. change and it doesn't have to, it doesn't even have to be complex. It's just, it goes somewhere. Right. Right. And
0: um, yeah.
1: And he's an example. Well, think of Pink Floyd. Yeah.
0: Exactly, Pink Floyd is—it's yeah. it's not extremely technical for by all means, but they take dynamics yeah. in a way, and they take you on these journeys. And I think a lot of people are drawn to prog rock because of yeah. that—the movements, yeah. The, mm. yeah, the uh, I don't know what else. What other words, you, what other words you could use for that? I'm trying yeah. to think of like like sections or, um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Sex One Book Two. That you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. In a different <laughs> different area, absolutely. And
1: and you know, we we can of course ignore the. I, I think the the obvious thing that that they share as well when you're when you're comparing genres or comparing listeners, it's like they, there's no doubt they share the high level of musicianship. You know, there's 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 yes, there's no denying that, yeah. you know, the the prog rock legends, you know, um, almost without fail, always have conveyed some sense of, of mastery, you know, with, with, with their instruments or compositionally on, and, and both together. Um, and and that's the prog rock to me, it's almost like it's, it's the rock music. Um, Nonconformist is, is not the word at all because you could take that a whole nother direction, you know. Like someone who goes <laughs> yeah, kind of like, yeah. you know, the anti music, you know, the, the, right. you know, the, the, um, uh, you know, the, more in the direction of chaos as opposed to, you know, uh, arranged melodicism, mm-hmm. right? But, but almost like yeah. the, almost like the pop nonconformist, right? You know, it's, I remember, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't, I, I can say this now and laugh about it because it's so it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous and funny, but as a young musician, you know, when I was, I was trying to learn to play bass and I was only listening to bands like we're talking about, uh, me and my band buddies, you know, we were, we were snobs. I, I you know, we just were, we were musical sobs to us. It was like, you know, rush equals, oh, but you know, Duran Duran right. is like,
2: yes.
1: <laughs> you know, it was like, we had this, this, this yeah. crazy, uh, just immature frankly way of looking at how to value assign value to different music you know and different yeah. bands and stuff like that and you know the joke's on me because i you know i i finally get to the place where i'm i'm you know i reach a, a place where, I, where i'm getting hired as a bass player and i'm i'm playing all different kinds of music and then here i am now you know like grooving harder on John Taylor's bass lines from Duran Duran than I, as much as anything else going, Oh my gosh, that stuff is so brilliant. It sounds so killing. You know, it's just, yeah. it, it, all, it's kind of came around for me. You know, once I finally went through my different trials and tribulations of, you know, getting my butt kicked as a musician, um, you know, you, yeah. you learn how to appreciate dip, like a true music lover really knows that they, even if they don't like something, um, they understand why other people do. You know, it's, it's, yes. it's kind of something like that, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's good. No, hundred percent. And I think Destin, you and I can, can be, can, can. Oh, we can, <laughs> confess we can, to we being can rope ourselves that. into that. Too, we were yeah. those guys in high school. We 100%. were absolutely those guys yeah. in high schools. And I think a lot of prog rock fans, especially when they're at that age, roughly like, you know, this high school, yeah. maybe early college age. It's that sense of, let's be honest, a little bit of elitism. elitism. There. There's a little bit of this. Absolutely. We're in this club because we know about these groups so we're cooler than the cool. rest of you guys and it's yep. one of those things that like you say as as i've kind of grown and matured a little bit as not only a musician but someone who's just listening to music in general it's one of those things where i've i don't know if this isn't a you know a perfect metaphor or analogy but it's the sense of okay well i maybe don't love that's not maybe my favorite color maybe my favorite color is prog rock right maybe that's my favorite color and i'm not a huge you know my fan of I don't know. Your favorite pop artist is Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande or whatever, right? But you know what? Let's not discount that shade. That shade, that tint, that hue can be implemented. Some of those things in there have some amazing value to them, right? Even to me as someone who doesn't love it. And yeah. you just got to recognize that, you know, and and give credit where credit is due cuz, yeah. you know, it's anyways. <laughs> that's that's great. I'm I'm one of those um,
1: I'm one of those musicians that um, I mean, I, I freely admit, like I, I never went. Although I became very obsessed with, you know, trying to emulate certain players that were my heroes for a while, you know. Um, once I kind of out outgrew that sort of thing and realized that one day, if you want to stand out, you're gonna to have to have your own voice. You know, I've, I've, that was that was something that, that took a while to learn and and understand. But mm. after I got to that point, that's when this whole sort of artist experience, you know, began for me and just trying to write my own music and, and just, and be a voice of, of my own. And in doing that, there's always a compromise, you know, any, any road you, you take. Uh, I never became the type of player or musician that went so deep into the immersion of one particular style that like I, you know, you just name a song from Motown and I can automatically play it. Like, like cats that I know now, like I've got, I've got friends and colleagues, musical oh, yeah. colleagues. These are the types, they have those encyclopedic brains that they just, they they've got musical history like built in yeah. and they've, they've done that, that homework. And they, have cause they've either done a million yeah. gigs with a million different people, or they just, right. you know, they spent so many years at one point just trying to, you know, memorize the lines of, uh, of a particular genre of music, you know, in and out. And for me, it was like, I, I always, I always tried to go deep enough to where I, I, I could at least represent myself, um, confidently in a recording session or on a gig because I'd I'd done the work and I knew enough of the history to be able to play something, um, Mm. legitimately right and that that's that was something i always knew that as if you want to be a pro you've got yeah. to be able to do this if someone asks you hey i want you to play this like and approach this like in the style of, of mccartney or or approach this in the style more of of right. chris squire you know um whatever you know like knowing right. kind of what the music listen to enough of that music knowing A how how a line might be played, B, what the tone is of the of the instrument, which is a huge thing a lot of people ignore, is is they forget that the actual sound of their guitar or bass or whatever. Like that, that's a huge part of paying homage to or or emulating something, you know. And and I I took that kind of as far as I could to go beyond just the esoteric, but I want to be able to play this stuff right but I've, I've never been one of those, one of those players that knows yeah. a thousand tunes, you know? And so it's funny, you know, I, I will, I will let, it's, sometimes people will, will make that assumption about me and I'll just kind of let them know, I'll go, Hey, I need you to understand <laughs> if you just call, start calling tunes and blah, 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 you know, um, I just like to at least know ahead of time what they are, you know? And, and, most people appreciate that. Like no one's ever shunned me for anything like that, but most people appreciate that you want to be a pro and be prepared. But, but, um, but again, it, mm-hmm. it kind of comes right. back to yeah. like the the path you take. If you, if you had a career that was, um, 90% as a, as a sideman, right. Or, um, where you were playing someone else's music the majority of the time, you're going to be familiar with their with their catalog no no doubt about it if you do that for a ton of artists over a period of decades (laughs) you're just learning more and more and more and more the artist road is weird you know the artist road is kind of like you kind of are paving your own path and still trying to learn over here but it's 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 tough to it's tough to bring those two worlds completely together absolutely i've never
0: thought about that before Mainly because I don't have the experience to be able to say something like that. So, uh, some experiences are better than others. I'll just so, say that. Um, but uh, let, let's uh. let's veer into um, you know because you wrote an album, uh, and I just want to make sure that we're, we're gonna get we're gonna get to the album, everybody. <laughs> oh, we're gonna yeah, get to the a, album. There's an there's album, guys. Album. <laughs> there's an album.
2: And so, but I really
0: really do appreciate this conversation. This has been something that Drew and I has, have discussed. Uh, we were like we were really excited because we knew that you were the you, you have foot in both realms and you've played in both realms and so it's like oh it's awesome because it's like that's been a topic of discussion that we've been wanting to do wanting to cover on the show oh, so it was man. great thanks so much for thinking of me yeah it was great but let's let's kind of uh, change gears here into sort of the uh, the progressive rock roots as well as in, specifically in this album the world is loud and so i was reading online about this album the world is loud and it says that you ventured quote ventured back to your prog rock roots and i know that we've discussed that and we've kind of alluded to that that prog rock was the the foundation of of what you started listening to and then sort of took that into the jazz fusion world and uh but we were just curious just are there are there any i guess what we could say is were there any notable influences specifically for for this project that would come to mind any notable bands or albums that had a had a direct impact for for this particular record uh
1: absolutely um in fact, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're writing things, you almost, at least I do this, you 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 sometimes have a tendency to try to sort of imagine back to the experience of what you're feeling when you're first listening to something that, that really heavily influenced you or really moved you, yeah. right? So, um, I, I think, you know, at the risk of sounding, um, cliche because I'm a bass player or whatever. I mean, it's, it's just true when I made the, the transition from keyboards only into keyboards to bass and bass before finally just going just bass, it was, it was the Getty Lee lines of rush that, that knocked me out, (laughs) you know? And so that, that was my favorite band. Um, it's still, one of my all-time favorite bands, oh, yeah. but but um, but there there are probably things like a, a, a real a Rush fan that's familiar with with the catalog, especially like like the you know pre mid eighties catalog Rush. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to hear some things on on at least a couple tunes on this record that that are probably reminiscent of of that sort of energy and that and that sort of approach and. You know the the obvious um, the obvious tune that's that sticks out like a sore thumb is the tune that was actually dedicated to, to Neil Peart, yep. and that's the the professor, which is one of the two instrumental tunes on on the album, and that is one of those things one that we're where, listening to right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, look at that. <laughs> um, how about that? Yeah, I mean that that was writing that tune. It's it's funny. My wife and I were talking about this uh, the other day, and just how. That, that's one of the tunes. I listened back to it. I don't even remember writing it because it was almost like I was in another, you know, time, space, continuum <laughs> thing. And that
2: yeah, know, happens exactly. sometimes
1: in the creative process, especially when the <laughs> right. world is ending, you know, around you, <laughs> like, like it seemed like it was, you know, last year. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, it was just like, I, I, I love the idea of kind of escaping into the experience of, mm-hmm. um, what what gets me excited about music you know and and just seeing where it goes and that's that's one of those those tunes yeah um that's a song actually that when i began writing that that tune neil was was still with us so yeah. um i didn't know what the name was gonna be I didn't, I didn't know how that was gonna gonna end up and then when he when he passed unfortunately uh hmm it was like it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, man, this needs to be a, a dedication because it is so much in the spirit of what, to me, what 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 Rush made me feel like. You know, when I when I listened to, to this to this particular yeah.
2: tune. oh, that's great. Yeah, definitely. It was it was excellent to see a, a tribute to to Peart on the album because I mean, Destin and I are. Massive Rush fans and anyone who's yeah. listened to they all probably know. any of our episodes. They There's, all know. You know what? There's probably a reference to Rush in every single episode, probably. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would speculate. But uh, it, it was great to see that because, you know, uh, one of our favorite episodes was we did a tribute to him shortly after he passed. We did an episode where after. Destin did his top – 10 favorite drum songs by Pierre because oh wow he's cool. he's the drummer for the band that, that we have and and i was the lyricist and bassist so i did my top 10 favorite neil lyrics
1: oh amazing um,
2: and that was just a it was it was a really fun episode but uh yeah i, I noticed some rush similarities on this record uh you know and yeah. even not just with the bass now the bass was probably the the biggest part um that you hear especially with the tone of it too i was just very like this is very getty and yeah that's ready. yeah
1: absolutely like i this is a tone that i didn't use on any of my prior records i mean if anyone who's comparing like they'll hear this is a much more edgier there's overdrive oh, yeah. in it most of the time and,
2: yeah um
1: yeah that's part of it uh, even
2: even stuff with like the talking sections like the in uh without love the for now we see the mirror dimly it reminds me of you know stuff like the necromancer on caress of steel or, oh
1: wow or, or, that is right you're the first person who's who's ever said that yeah that is we were amazing. we were talking Hello. on roll the,
0: you know, the bones or
2: chain lightning you know yes that... yeah,
0: yeah 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 i was gonna say that the chain
2: lightning was one of the things <laughs> that we were we were like talking about yeah that is so cool. the chain lightning at the very end when that's nice yeah
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so awesome but uh
2: i yeah. love it love didn't it. have a question just wanted to say that we loved uh, seeing that and my dad used to call him the professor i don't i haven't heard even very many like russian nerds that i've really talked to really say that but my dad used to say that growing up he's, like, yeah. he's the professor he's the professor and so when i saw this i was like well i think the first time i heard that moniker was um
1: isn't it all the world's a stage where Getty introduces him for his you know, drum be. solo and says and calls him a professor. It could
2: be. That's one of the records that I haven't heard as much. Like I, I whenever live records, yeah. I would always listen to exit stage left or even some of the more modern stuff like R. 30 and yep. stuff. But all the world's a stage was one of those really yeah. early, uh, live records that I heard through like once. And it's been years since I've heard it again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to revisit mm-hmm. that. It's such a, such a pleasure.
0: it's yeah. good. That's really good. Um,
1: the other thing too you know you were talking about the uh you know the other influences and and i mentioned it before you know chris squire and and his contribution to to yes a lot of the uh, a lot of what what chris kind of did with the bass melodically was was really really cool especially sometimes he moves into a higher yes. register and stays there yeah. and there's there's elements of that kind of influence as as well so You know, those are certainly, you know, two of the bands and, 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 uh, two of the bass players, of course, that, that were hugely influential. The very first song I ever learned on bass was, um, Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas. And so oh wow, that's another band that, that I, I really loved and and still love. And, and they, I don't know if y'all consider them, you know, prog rock, but, you know, you talk about that whole, um epic compositional nature. uh, They, boy, there's, there's not many bands that that do that as, as well as, as they did. So um, that was an influence too.
0: Yeah. It's no surprise that the, the Russian influences, we, we heard them, we knew they were there. (laughs) We, it was, it it was just great. It was great to hear that from us. You you can't hide it. It was, (laughs) it it was, it was was great. It was awesome. So we, we were really, (laughs) we were really happy and excited to, to hear that. And so, but as as mentioned before, this is the first record to feature you as the lead vocalist and lyricist. And uh, after this, I was just curious. But just after having a, a career spanning just multiple decades as as a basis, is and I'm I'm, pardon me if I, I I'm not familiar with any other projects that you may have lent vocals to at all. But I was just curious, why why now why why this album was it was this just something that's like oh I'm just gonna yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Or was it like more <laughs> a, a an ongoing process of Yeah, yeah. I've, I've placed vocals here, placed vocals here. I've done stuff like that before. And now I can, I feel like I can take on this task. What was that like?
1: It was how I'll be truthful. It was, it was not the intention at the beginning. This, this record was supposed to be, uh, at the beginning, one that featured a whole host of, of guitar players, Doing the guitar role and a whole host of my favorite singers doing all the vocal stuff. And an interesting thing happened as I was writing the tunes because since I was I was writing lyrics and I was writing the melodies and you know, writing the vocal parts, it, it of course made sense for me to, in a in a pre-production context, lay down you know scratch versions of these things so that i could give a reference to the to the players and that was it was the same for the guitar as as well I, i intentionally wrote um the overwhelming majority of this album from guitar and i i'm not just saying this to you know for like uh whatever extra adulation or consideration. But the truth is, is that I'm not a guitar player. I, I, I've never done a project like this, <laughs> which encompass that much of me having to figure out things on guitar. And again, a product of things coming to a halt, like I went into this, this place of, I'm not really going anywhere. I want to do something different And the more time that I spent on pre-production playing things over and over and over again, the better Mm. I got at doing it. And so, um, with the guitar thing, it was just like, I had enough muscle memory built up for my bass playing that I could, you know, once my hand figured out the ergonomics of the instrument, it, it wasn't that bad figuring things out And, and thank goodness for things like being able to punch in and stuff like that, if you make mistakes, but, um, but yeah, by the time I got done, like the the with mm-hmm. with the pre-production stuff, I was playing it for trusted guitar player friends. I said, hey, you know, what do you think about these parts or whatever? You know, what would you do to change them? And the the response almost always was, I don't, I wouldn't change it. It sounds sounds good to me. And, and I and I would just grill it, man, just whatever. Yeah. Okay. Now, what do you really think? And they would just keep <laughs> saying, No, man, this this really sounds good. And so it was it was my my colleagues and my friends that I trusted that gave me the confidence to move forward with going ahead and playing the majority of the guitar parts. Um and, and that wow. and that's how that evolved. But the vocal thing, I did the pre-production vocals, and then I would play these. For singers or other musicians, and the same thing happened. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that I thought uh, my voice is too horrible to, you know, to to be the lead vocalist on this record. It was a thing of like, I just, I there's amazing singers that've been doing this forever that I really love. It'd be great to have them right. be part of it. And it and and yeah, one thing led to another, and I I kept getting more and more encouragement, and so I started to feel like the universe was telling me. It's okay. Go ahead. You've got the time, you know? And, and so, and that's what I did. And so the, it, it never, never was supposed to be this, but that that's what it, that's what it emerged into. And so it was interesting. I've had, you know, lots of vocal experience from, from being a sideman and being a part of many bands throughout the years. But, but this was, this is the first time I did something where I'm, I'm being, you know, to use that word again, like trying to be a stylist mm-hmm. or have a voice, you know, as a, as a singer mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and that, and that was, it was fun to do, but man, I'll tell you, I watch out what you wish for sometimes, because as, as much as I was excited about, you know, completing this project in that way, I mean, it just, it was, it's the most work I've ever done on any project ever. Jeez. I mean, it was just, it was oh, painful man. trying to get this thing done. And it, it felt like the closer I got to the finish wow. line. The more the finish line just moved. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. oh yeah, so I was so happy when the master was done, and I was like, "Man, hallelujah! Yeah. I can finally lay this down."
2: <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's uh, an interesting point you bring up with uh, you know the encouragement you're getting from different friends and getting that other eye, and I think that's an important thing for any musician. Is it's just so helpful to have another set of ears, another perspective on something and that collaborative process can be invaluable when you're creating something I mean, you know what i mean and it, it just really brings- is and you know the
1: the danger of self producing is that you you just lose perspective in in yourself you know and i don't trust myself as much anymore and that that might sound strange you know you think that over <laughs> time you know you get more confident it's not a lack of confidence it's it's a i i'm a much better equipped now to receive feedback and, and, you know, place things in somebody else's hands, let them listen as a complete newbie outsider, because it's important, you know, because that's how it's going to hit other people's ears too. You know, there's nothing wrong with deciding, Mm -hmm. you know, exactly what you want to do and this is going to be this to it, to the T I've, I've done that, you know, for, for years. Um, and it's, and it's fine because it's, if you're being true to your vision, that's, awesome and you should be true to your vision but sometimes your vision involves feedback and um you know uh uh, feedback and and sometimes critique or constructive constructive uh observations from from other people because you know that you want it to you want it you want it to have a um a more neutral sort of a presentation if you will you know and so you're you're trying to Hmm. Whatever, you're trying to you test the waters in some other, in some new, some new places. And this being my first prog rock album under my name, I was like, I want to hear what other people have
2: to think too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I usually kind of look at the lyrics a lot on, on records, especially with this show. And and one thing that really stood out to me about this album was, you know, the fact that it seemed to me that it was definitely rooted in, in Christianity, you know, themes range from a dependence on God and acknowledgement of his restoration and a liberating love that comes from faith. Biblical scriptures put in there, as I was talking to earlier, the kind of spoken word part. Um, What was the inspiration behind these themes?
1: Man, I, I, I wanted to be, wanted to be transparent about, um, some of the things I'd, I'd gone through and some of the things my wife and I had gone through. She was, she was the other executive producer of this, this album, you know, a lot of, a lot of what these, oh, these wow. songs talk about is, is related to different hardships that, that we've gone through. And the, mm. you know, the, the common denominator in all of this, that kind of helped us weather the storms was, was our our faith life and so i i just felt i just felt Mm. really um obligated i guess is a good word you know to to want to be honest about the story and want to be honest about where things come from where things came from in terms of how how i arrived where i am how we arrived where, where we are and um hopefully when when people listen to the lyrics they hear it's not it's not all just, you know, happy stories, you know, joy, joy, joy. Like there's, you know, hopefully you hear there's, there's, I'm talking Mm -hmm. about challenges and it's not, um, you know, the lyrics aren't meant to be overtly spiritual, but I think anyone who has at least a a bit of Mm -hmm. curiosity as to what, helps people to to keep going in in times of of challenge and and you know the good times and the bad times what gives them vision and and purpose it's it's my hope that that someone might be inspired you know in some way and and that's that's really why I, i wanted to kind of say the things that that i said and um you know hopefully none of it ever comes across as like overly demonstrative or, or preachy or anything like that. I try to avoid anything like that because I don't like that at all myself. I like I like learning more about getting to know people through their experiences, right. through you know, through through their trials and tribulations, mm-hmm. their successes, their failures and those things. And, and and you learn I think you learn more about someone when you have a chance to kind of get a little bit of the behind the scenes, you know. Yeah and right. that's and that's a lot of the spirit that motivated that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. That's really cool. I want to take it uh take the conversation towards a musical route for just a second. One of the first things that I noticed, I, when I queued up the album, it's like the very first time I was listening to it, Drew sent or you sent it over to us in an email and I'm like, "All right, let me let me check this thing out." And I, I throw on the very first track, The World is Loud, and you hear this like ar- arpeggiated synthesizer and then this and I was like, holy cow, this sounds like an Osric Tentacles track. I don't know if you're very familiar with them. Um, but it sounded like it sounded like this song called Title Title Convergence from their 1990 oh, record, Erpland. It sounded just like it to me. And I was like, whoa, whoa, this is like, and I like put it together. Oh, I was wow. yeah, I I know that you're not like I'm not comparing you to Ozric Tentacles. That's that's not what I'm saying. But uh something that I wow. found similar some
2: there were cool. similarities
0: there is that both you and Osric, they were incorporating many styles of music and you've had this long career now performing many different genres now being six of your own solo albums and I personally I would just seeing your catalog and seeing the stuff you've done I would be hard-pressed to say that you don't have a lot of musical knowledge and so I was curious when it came to composing this record was it overwhelming to compose this with the array of musical styles and influences that you have. what some, some, may, some may say that being limited and maybe setting parameters forces creativity. You know, like give me a four string bass and now I have to be creative with a four string bass rather than having maybe my normal five or six. Same thing with drums. Oh, you're going to give me two toms now. Well, I normally am used to five. Now I got to force myself to be creative within just these parameters. But then other people say that a blank canvas gives me more freedom and so what was it hard to figure out like which direction you wanted these songs to go knowing all of the things that you know
1: yeah what a great question um something that was told to me early on by one of my music instructors was that you learn all this knowledge so that you can one day forget it <laughs> and um that's funny and it sounds kind of silly, but, and it is at face value, it sounds silly. But, but I, I understand what he meant because the, the musical knowledge and the experiences um, playing, performing <laughs> different genres, everything you do has an influence on you. And the stuff that resonates with you for whatever reason, that kind of sticks with you becomes part of becomes part of you as a as a player and um you know like those who are you know studying jazz you know for the first time or something like if they're trying to learn how how to improvise you know jazz improvise like so much so much of this begins with the idea of like okay well here's this is a chord and this is a scale that can be played with the chord okay try and improvise noodle around with the scale and you can hear how it how it fits and and it begins as an exercise in um pattern-based cues um that direct you to still color within the lines right but gives you enough freedom where you can mix it up while still being with you know inside the lines Mm. when you have a lot of experience practicing and then and then playing Again we'll just we're talking about jazz improvisation. you get to the point where those ideas that you may have transcribed or worked on like they you they become internalized right so so that you don't have to uh, you don't have to um, proactively plan to play those ideas or present those ideas to the listener as if it's okay let me I'm gonna do lick number eight here followed by, roof number 12 here like it, it instead of it takes away the the academic aspect yeah. and it just becomes a reactive instead of a proactive becomes a reactive mm. way of playing music and anyone who is who is a seasoned player seasoned musician they have the ability to play interactively which ends up being more reactively mm-hmm or spontaneously, right? These are these are things that are happening in the, in the moment, and it's not so much based on what you rehearsed and the shape of it, and make sure your hand's in the right place and all that. So that's kind of, to me, what it means by sort of forgetting everything. It's like we're, we're not as much, when we actually play music now, we're actually communicating. It's, it's exactly a perfect perfect analogy is like when you learn a language for the first time. Hmm. It starts off with picture of a car, car, <laughs> you're saying the word, right. and, uh, how are you today? You know, and, and you're learning these little things that at first you're still relating to what you are using in English. If English is your, is, is your native tongue, like you, okay, what is the Spanish version of this English thing I want to say? And so it's like, you're plugging it in, huh. right? You're doing, it's a translation yeah. process Yeah, with music. It's the same way. It's like, oh, here's a two, five, one in the key of C. What, what notes can I plug in what lick can I plug in here so that it's going to work for this right you get to a certain place a certain level of proficiency where you just hear the changes occur and you just react and you play through it and it's beautiful because it's it's yeah. connected and it's very natural and spontaneous you're speaking fluently right so that's sorry to be so long-winded but kind of coming back around to, to your question it's like It can certainly be overwhelming to think about the idea of, okay, I'm going to cognitively put together all these different genre elements because I want Mm. this to be an influenced album. Or you can just kind of retreat from all of that, sit down, be inspired. Like I hear a melody or hear a groove and then start to work around that and literally let it go where it wants to go. Like take your leanings that are natural and let them go there. And that is really more of how this album was, was created more than anything else. Wow, The songs were kind of allowed to be what I thought they wanted to be or what they were wanting me to let them be. Not that the songs are a living, breathing thing, but they are a reflection of a living, breathing person and their
0: experiences, so. Wow, I was literally sitting here thinking, this is why he's a musical educator. This is, why, <laughs> this is why he teaches. I'm sitting here like, wow that's, a, wow, that's an incredible thought. That's so great. Yeah. But I appreciate <laughs> the, I appreciate
2: the confidence. So. Absolutely. I, uh, I had a quick question, um, and Destin will, will have one more after this that will be uh, a little bit more intense. But just real quick, do you have a favorite track off of, <laughs> off of this record? Oh, so. man um wow favorite track um
1: i don't really have a favorite um there's i don't know the the professor is special to me because it's a because it's a dedication and um because it is instrumental Mm -hmm. it really is kind of the blending of what i've have done in the past with what i'm doing you know now in the present so that that is definitely one of my favorites um um, I, I I really like um, I like the energy and attitude of The World is Loud and and um, and zombies um, both of those just because they're mm-hmm. to me like they're very upfront and aggressive and, and I, I like that I like yeah. I like I like music that kind of reaches out and grabs you but um, yeah but you know man yep. it's like songs they can be like your your children, you know, you don't want to admit you have any favorites. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. Absolutely. I absolutely. Especially
0: when you spend as much time as you have. That's on always each, the on hardest one question. These. That's yeah. They,
1: you know, uh, yep. I, and just being completely honest, there are, um, but like when I, when I finish an album, I usually, I usually won't listen to it for a really long time. Cause I love the idea of getting away from it finally. And then listening to it with fresh ears yeah. after I've been so far removed from yeah. it. And um, for sure. And when you do that, it's funny because the songs that you got the most excited about when you were actually writing them and, and producing them sometimes aren't the ones that excite you as much when you go back and listen with, with fresh ears. So so I hmm. just like I do with with um, artists I admire and bands that I admire, and I'll have sort of different songs I'm, I'm loving listening to that, are, that stand out like it changes and it changes. I don't listen to my music a lot, but um, but when I do listen to it, it it's 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 cool to, to to go back and listen and just remember the place you were in when you were writing something, and then you draw influence from that too. Because sometimes you go, oh man, I remember what inspired this particular song, and now either my musicianship has changed or life has changed, and now it's so different. I probably wouldn't write a song like you know like there's there's it's fun it's fun and neat to kind of look now, you know, it's the hindsight thing, you know, like just sort of evaluating from, from the forward. It's, it's an interesting thing to do.
2: Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, in film school, they used to tell us that, uh, you're, you're, you're supposed to, well, you're, it's, it's highly encouraged The director takes a vacation after production, right? Let your editor do what he's supposed, he or she (coughs) is supposed to do and do all the rough cuts and, and do all of that. You as the director, take take a retreat. Do not step the foot into this camp yet. You're not ready for it. Almost, you know, you're not ready for it because you've been invested in the production, which is a very, very different world than what it's going to look like on the screen, which yeah. is what the editor is doing, right? They're doing the pacing and the rhythm and adding in all of these different elements to kind of, you know, add these little flourishes here and there and make it what it is. And so it just, yeah. It's, it's important to step no, back. That's good, Drew. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's, important that's to step that's back. Awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really good, great. That's really good. So as I mentioned before, I, I brought up that Adam's a musical educator. He's done stuff with online, had a website for that, and uh, that everybody could go check out. My question for you, uh, as, as we're starting to close down here, is out of maybe some of the younger students that you've, that you've worked with, shoot, it maybe it even could be a little bit older than that, but how how many of them have had an interest in progressive music or or the prog giants maybe of the seventies? Uh, what what do you think the next generation of progressive rock musicians look like?
1: Wow, great question. Um... There's no, there's no doubt. I, I teach at Belmont University like one day a week when, when school's in session, mm-hmm. one or two days a week. Um, I'm an adjunct there, and so like that, especially like even separate from my online education stuff, like that is, I feel like I'm more in tune with the pulse of what yeah. is happening with the future of music because um, these are these are aspiring professionals, right? So yes, I've been. Pleasantly surprised at how familiar uh, a lot of these players have been with, like the the Prague legends, like, like we've talked about, and it's most, it's almost always it comes down from their from their parents, which yeah. is an amazing thing because I love that. Um, there is a th- this whole like this idea of of sharing this music generationally, you know, and it becomes this sort of passed down thing is so awesome to me. And it's also the same reason why fans of, of great music, they don't just listen to the latest release of their favorite band or, you know, they, they don't just listen to, you know, that the top 40 of, of of the genre or whatever, they, they go back and routinely listen to, you know, the history of the music. Um, So, so yeah, I, I say a surprising number of, and I'm, of course, teaching bass players. So, so yes. the bass players, a lot of times, I don't know what it is about bass players and the way they're wired, but they seem to have an affinity for, for prog rock, naturally. <laughs> um, at least a respect for it, you know? Uh-huh. So, <clears throat> and, and then for the rest of them, I, as, a, as an instructor, I mean, I, I, I feel like it's, it's a good idea and I, I try to share some of this music with them as well. And, and at least let them know kind of where a lot of what we hear, like a lot of what we hear now, sort of where some of this stuff comes from, mm. especially in the rock world and, and in, in the prog world. And um, so I kind of try to do, do my part with, with that as well. But um, I don't know, you know, I, I used to be really cynical about the future of, of music and, and it's easy to be cynical, uh, especially when you when you've been working in music, for as long as I have, and you've seen the, the, the changes in how music is actually created.
0: Yeah, It's, it's right. easy to
1: kind of go down, you know, the road of, of being frustrated because you feel like it's being compromised because of this or that or the other thing, you know, because technology is kind of a blessing and a curse, you know. Right. It, it makes some things easy and, and um, it inspires creativity and at the same time, it, it, it reshapes our our concepts about what quality means. Yep. But in spite of that, I think the best way to sum it up is that they are really interested in being like complete musicians. They don't want to just be good at Mm. bass. They don't want to just be, you know, just be good at engineering. Um, They, you know, they want to be able to do a lot of different things and, and at a, at a higher level than I even expected, you know, um, And a lot of that probably has to do with, you know, they're they're entering into an institution that, that, you know, I mean, if you're not serious about your education, you're going to you're not going to do well because they they get thrown so much work and there's so much that's past of them. So they kind of have to come with a a strong work ethic. But but seeing them push through that and, and finding their own voice, that's the most exciting part is when they figure out they come into school kind of as one thing. By the time they get they get out or that they get close to getting out, they've learned that no, this really wasn't me. This is more of me. That's kind of cool to see.
0: Wow, it's really cool. That is really cool. I love I love that you mentioned the accessibility versus the quality, which is something that I, I, one hundred percent agree with. Is that with the modern day era of musicians that we've gotten every the access to record music is is everybody. I mean. You know, you could spend, gosh, 300 bucks and get a DAW and then spend $75 and get yourself a nice little interface and plug your bass right into it. Boom. There you go. And so but with with that being said, yeah, everybody can record thing. But the quality now also is just like way up in here, like way up and down with people can record stuff and it sounds like crap because they just don't know what they're doing. Uh, rather than if you're going to like the only people who the people who can make it into a professional studio there it's obvious the reason why they're in a professional studio is because they're going to produce high quality content and high quality music that's there and so yeah i've always had like this weird rub with still have to have the ears yep exactly and so yeah i'm really glad that you really glad you said that because i was as soon as you said the the quality i was like yep that's that that's it like accessibility gone up quality not overall not overall at all but can be it, it's it's i i right. guess uh, a wider range of quality is now being produced i'm not going to say everything's bad because there's great producers and self-producers out there that are doing absolutely. amazing stuff absolutely yeah that's that's a that's a totally that's a totally different conversation so
2: but anyway
1: yeah we'll
0: save that for next time yeah <laughs> so
2: i i think that wraps up most everything that we were going to talk about uh for yeah episode. so yeah, well, you was. Awesome. Had, you had a story that you wanted to share, right? I I did. I I, I didn't know if I wanted to. I I almost All took right. from you. I, I was I was going to save this. I was going to save this for off camera, but Destin's <laughs> already forcing me into this. here. <laughs> when I was much younger, when I was first starting out on the bass, I we had a family friend who was teaching me because at first I didn't know if I wanted to. It was something, admittedly, that my dad just thought I might like to do. So he said, "Hey, would you like to try the bass?" and I was like, um, can I say no? And <laughs> I started playing and you know, thankfully I actually really took to it cuz, you know, now I love it. Now it's a huge part of my life. And uh, you know, I had a family friend doing it, but my buddy, this was way back in middle school. This was like when I was 13 or something. And my buddy was like, "Oh, you're taking bass? That's awesome." you need to take from my dad's friend. He's a base wizard. And that was the term he used base wizard. And I thought that was amazing. That's always stuck with me. You know, I already had a teacher. I was like, yeah, I stuck with him and it would be rude. I mean, you know, like I'm, I'm learning the basics from him. That's all great. Several years later, way later, you know, probably five years later, I'm like, Oh man, I went to go see uh, Adam Nitty the other day. He goes, that was the dude I was telling you was a base wizard. You should have taken from him, and I was like, "Oh man, I couldn't take it from him. I had no idea. I could have entered the wizardry." Uh, it's so funny. Wow, that's amazing. I just wow. thought that was a hilarious term, base wizard. Wow. Well, that's great.
1: Well, well,
2: special thanks to your friend who coined the term face Adam Nitty base wizard. There's your next there's your next <laughs> album next title. title, you know. There's your <laughs> next, <laughs> next album title.
1: <laughs> Gosh. Sometimes I wish I was a wizard and I wish I had a a wizard wand yeah I could make right. or you could just the pull the a
0: you could just pull a tony musically or otherwise. Like, you know, wizard like wizard wands on your fingers and then just like
2: that's right the funk, <laughs> yeah the funk fingers. yeah wizard yeah. sticks wizard <laughs> sticks right just <laughs> <Wizard laughs> gonna slap in them with it yeah. that? that's amazing
0: <laughs> oh my gosh well, that's well thank amazing. you adam for being here this was a phenomenal wow. conversation love talking about the album Definitely. and in uh, your history because a lot of people that may be listening thank to this you. show may not know who you are and so i'm glad that we uh I feel like at least I know more about the history behind what this album, where, how this album got created and just you as a bass player exactly. and you as a musician and your thoughts around musician as well. So that's, that's really great. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank and, you. Uh, thank and both of you yeah. so much. I had here. a blast. Absolutely. This is fantastic. Absolutely. So yeah. For everybody listening, we would like to thank everybody so much for listening to our podcast. These are our prog notes for The World is Loud. And if you enjoyed the episode, learn something new from the episode, just like myself, please subscribe and share. Please, Uh, conversation also does not have to stop here. You can become a special, very special Prognotes patron at patreon.com slash prognotes. You can get extra benefits outside of our monthly episodes. What kind of benefits? I'm not going to explain them all on the air. Just go check it out. Patreon.com slash prognotes. (laughs) And uh, also come and join our Discord server, which is just a chat server. If you're not familiar with Discord, it's just an app on your phone. Download it. It's free. You can join our chat server which if you're, if you're listening to the show and you're like, you know what? I like prog rock. I love prog rock, but I never get to talk to anybody else about prog rock because none of my friends like it. None of my family listens to it. Perfect. You're, you're just like everybody else that's part, of the, that's part of the Discord. So just join the Discord. There's a ton of progressive rock and fusion fans. ton of progressive rock, fusion fans, jazz fans, all of those guys. We're all there, and we just love chatting about music and everything. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram and or Facebook. All of these links are in this Episodes description and Adam. Before we close, real quick, where can everybody find your album? Where can we buy the music? Could you let everybody know where we can uh, listen to "The World Is Loud"? Absolutely. So you can, if you want to be uh,
1: channeled there, transported there through my website, you can just go to theworldisloud.com and there's all kinds of info there. Um, especially if you are more old school and prefer to have a a uh, hard copy CD or something like that, you can go there. But but I, it's available in all the typical online, uh, retailers and, and, you know, streaming services and all that stuff. So Apple music, Amazon, um, yeah, all, all those it's, it's, it's out there. So perfect. When in, when in doubt yeah, cool. do a put it in the search engine and, and, you know, and it'll come up, but, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there you the world is loud.com or, or my name, AdamNitty.com. They both take you to the same place and, and you can find perfect. out more.
0: Awesome. I will actually, I'll take that and put that, I'm just going to say it now, that link will be in the description. So just go down to the description of the episode and click on that and be able to go and check out his record. And then also check out his previous stuff because his previous stuff is a lot different than this record. As we've discussed already before, this record is more in the prog rock realm. But if you're in fusion and love the jazz fusion type stuff, go listen to the album before, Not of This World, incredible record, uh, Cosmic Underground, some of those songs off there. Just go listen to that you'll you won't be sorry so but before we close drew why don't you tell us what the next record we're going to be checking out on on the show what are we going to be listening to it's going to be fear of a blank planet by porcupine tree yeah it's going to be it's going to be a big one patrons voted for this one so if you'd like to have voting rights once again i know i'm doing a second plug but go go become a prognose patron and help us create more of these episodes more bonus content early access to our material all of that stuff fear of a blank planet Planet by Porky Pine Tree awesome so thank you Adam once again everybody join us next time as we discover the past present and future of Prog Rock and we will see you all on Discord thank you take care everybody